there we go. It's episode time. I don't even know what episode number we're on now, but I think I said that like around episode six too. And that's the thing, you know, and I, I think I've mentioned this multiple times, the fact that I've got such horrible ADD that for some reason I was thinking this is episode like 10 or 12, but I don't think we've gotten that far yet. So we're just, we're just going to go with, this is a new episode of out here in the middle podcast. I'm your host, Jay coming straight to you from the farm at Jaffe. That sounded like a talk show host for sure. Joined with me in studio today is the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the greatest Chaffe slinger in all slang time. It's Johnny Caldwell. Hey, Johnny. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, man. I, how'd you like my introduction? I love that intro. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate I'm it. I'm pretty sure that my second calling in life was to be a hype man for people. So I'll I feel just, hyped. You, do you? <laughs> yes. so, okay, do some push-ups. <laughs> Let's go. So we, we've got an interesting uh, gamut going on and and... I feel like one of these podcasts that mean you're just going to have to enjoy an ice cold 40 and talk about uh, everything that you want to get off your chest, because I get to see snippets about what you're thinking about when it comes to politics, religion, love, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, And you, some days I can just see it in your eyes. You're just like, I need to, I just need to let it out, but that's going to be like a special edition one. Okay. In the interim, we're going to go live to Nebraska. And let me tell you about what's happening in Nebraska. That state has never been so blessed in its whole entire freaking life because it's got a bad to the bone, picture taken, horse riding, coming to Yeha, awesome lady by the name of Jen Zeller, also known on Instagram as the DS Cowgirl. Jen, how are you? I'm doing phenomenal. It's a little hot here in McCook today, but, you know, it's all right. I was hoping you were going. I was hoping you were going to be more pumped up. Like I was trying to pump you up too, like I did Johnny. But is that not working? I know you're, no, it's totally working. But you have to just listen to the day that I've had. Oh no! Because and and by the way, I know you guys might not be drinking, but I'm drinking because <laughs> already. So I got pulled over this morning on the way here. Okay, hold what you just said. Okay, go ahead. I got pulled over for doing 71 and a 65. I was singing along. I wasn't paying attention. What were you singing to? I don't, I don't even know. Johnny, if you were, if you were, if you were a fly on the wall, what was she listening to? Uh, Metallica. I don't see Jen listening to Metallica while she's cruising down the road. Jen, what do you think you were listening to? I think it was Ryan Hurd who was married to Merritt Morris. Oh, didn't see that one coming way out of left field. Sammy Swamy Samson. That was way off. Okay. So to, Bad thing number one, in and out. Got, did you get a ticket? Pulled over. I did not get a ticket. He was very nice. Um, he did. He's like, "Hey, do you mind if I uh, check your diesel?" I'm like, "No, of course I'm not running farm diesel in this. Do you think I'm an idiot?" But anyway, wow, so he, uh, yeah, yeah, he had to check my <laughs> diesel. Thing. Serious. Um, but anyway, he was very, very nice. I had no idea that I was going 71 and 65. I'm just thinking, and I'm not setting the cruise because on that particular. Nebraska Highway, and I don't know how if you guys have driven through Nebraska ever. Last week, Nebraska last week. Okay, so Nebraska doesn't have; they just have like, oh, here's a curb, right? They don't tell you take this at fifty five. So when you set your cruise and you've got horses in your trailer behind you, when you get to a curb that you can't take at sixty five, you're like, oh, gotta slow down. Well, then it, you know your horses are like, what? Who the heck is driving us? So I never set my Jay. cruise <laughs> on these kind of roads. Don't laugh at me. No, no, I was just laughing because I could see myself driving and. Those horses would want to kill me. Go ahead. Oh, and so then I pull into the barrel race and I look and I've got a flat tire on my trailer. This, this brand new tire has like 2,000 miles on it. Flat as flat can be. 
pull my horse out of the trailer. She has blown a shoe, like caught the edge of it. It's like bent. So she's not sound. So I, so I had two flats when I got here. Luckily I have found the horseshoer. He fixed me. Now I just have to find the guy that can come jack my trailer up and take my tire to town to me because I have to stay in my trailer all weekend. So I can't pull it into town and be like, here, will you fix my tire for me guys? Um, so that was, that was my um, morning. <laughs> well, we're glad we caught you on such a good day. I mean, whew, the excitement is building. My dog, my dog got stuck in a building at the bar in a barn where at the ranch I was staying at. And so when I went to bed, I couldn't find my dog. And I'm like, where in the heck? My dog never leaves me, right? But the wind was blowing and it was stormy and he got locked in this building. And then this morning I still couldn't find him. And they were finally like, let's go check the airplane hangar, which isn't really an airplane hangar anymore. But there he was. So I found my dog doesn't want to So I really, I think I'm done with having bad things happen. And the weekend is just going to go phenomenal. Well, yeah, I, I really hope that things are <laughs> turning around and changing on your end. You know, Oh, and then we and we blew the fuse for the camper hookup. So I was running my generator all morning when I got here. I just have a feeling that you're a barrel racer. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> it's Friday the thirteenth for you. you. I went on like two dates with barrel racers, and I was like, "Wow, I did not all this could happen in like a fifteen minute time span. This is out of control." <laughs> did you Did you see the? Do you watch Yellowstone? <laughs> my last name is Dutton. <laughs> okay, well, so did you watch the latest episode? Where they make fun of us like ten minutes. It was in? hilarious. Oh yeah, I was, so I was totally, I was totally laughing that one. I laughed so hard; it was great. Yeah, I had a good friend in college that uh, back when vines were really popular. Um, he always oh, acted gosh. acted like a barrel racer. He was a team rover, but uh, they actually took him to Vegas. Oh, and I followed that guy on on Vine. Yeah, Corbin he Corbin Livingston. Best. Oh my God, we're just pulling in here. It's just going to be three hearts or two hearts. What was it? No, th- three cans, two hearts, one dream. We're just going to get it on. Let's go boys. Pow, pow. Like, I mean, he, he was unbelievable. That was, he was so good. I know. So, and he was like, go on, go on. Why hurry? Go on. Look up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had it nailed. It was, he was good. Yeah. I miss, I miss the days of when Corbin was, was given that stuff. Johnny, have you ever dated a barrel racer? I don't think I've ever dated a barrel racer. Jen, have you ever dated a barrel racer? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just recently learned that there's men barrel racers. Oh, that's true. There yeah, are men barrel that's racers. That's a thing. Yeah. And they are both heterosexual and homosexual. <laughs> Good for them. Love is love. <laughs> I mean, make some popcorn, get a small saddle horn, party on, Wayne. You had no yeah, idea. Like- Talmadge Green is one of the, he used to be one of like the leading security riders and he's married and has kids and, but he can get a horse to turn three cans. I've, I've tried to do it once. <laughs> it was, I, you know what? The, I drank a lot before I got on that horse. And, and this was a, this was a gal that had been trying to get this horse to run barrels and it was an old race horse and had to put blind. I mean, it seems like every barrel horse I've ever been around in my life just wants to paw you to death. But anyways, she's like, he's a little cagey, but you should go fine. And I'm like, I'm going to show you how a man rides a barrel horse. Turn one horse made the turn. Jay didn't make the turn straight into the dirt. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. Like I'm done. I'm done running barrels. Like I'm a world champion now. So let's just, let's go back and drink more beer. <laughs> that's funny well if it makes you feel any better jay last time i was in the cook about three weeks ago i almost didn't make the first 
barrel either. <laughs> it's all right. You know, at, at least that's that's normal for you, but I mean, not normal for you. That sounded mean. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. This podcast is sponsored by Chaffee, world-class alfalfa. Chaffee is grown in the shadows of the Guadalupe Mountains, the highest peak in the state of Texas. Our unique climate offers cool nights, warm days, and allows us to grow some of the finest forage on the face of the planet. For more information about Chaffee, please visit www.chaffee.com. Jen, so... We, we want to have you on here just because there's a multitude of things going on in your world. Not only are you a barrel racer, so you already have the crazy factor going for you, but you're crazy talented in the fact that you're an unbelievable photographer. You're a great spokesperson. You've got a very unique following on social media. And, uh, and I want to kind of dive into that. We've, we've talked a little bit about your relationship with your husband and the fact that you guys don't agree on political terms all the time. The fact that you... There's so many different things that are going on in your world. And it seems like you've been able to put so many positive things together. And your life is kind of like that of a rock star. You're always on the road. You're either at a clinic or you're or you're teaching people about photography or you're learning about photography. And so I want to dive into what makes Jin Jin. So so give us give us a little bit of where did you grow up and how did you get where did your love of horses come from? So um, I'm not altogether sure about the love of horses. I grew, I was born in Duncan, Oklahoma. My dad worked for Halliburton. In fact, he was just let go from Halliburton, 20 days short of having been there for 43 years. He got was his job out of college with, with Halliburton, and they have been very good to the family. They they put three kids through college, <laughs> um, and you know they provided a good living for my dad and my mom for a long time. Um, but when I was a little kid, I actually had terrible ear infections, awful. And my parents, when I was, I don't know, I was two or three, they gave me one of those spring loaded rocking horses for Christmas. Right. And I named him Rusty and I would get on him and rock in the middle of the night when my ears would hurt and it would, it would relieve the pressure on my eardrums. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my mom blames Rusty for my love of horses. And I started begging for a horse when I was four and, um, you know, my dad's a Kansas farm boy. He he graduated from Kansas State University with a degree in um, agriculture engineering. He was gonna his plan was to go back and help his parents on their farm. They actually he grew up on a commercial turkey farm day, so they had fifteen thousand to twenty thousand turkeys every year. That's a so whole lot of trip fan. I mean, that is. That, he said they're the dumbest creatures known to man. <laughs> They'll drown themselves when it rains. I had heard that. Like, oh, it's raining. <laughs> you know what? It sounds like somebody that lives in. The middle of nowhere like us, if it rains, we're all going to stand there with our heads straight up because we don't get to see that very often. <laughs> maybe not the dumb so, part, but you know, he maybe. was agriculturally inclined and, and, um, you know, my mom grew up hunting and fishing and doing those kinds of things her with her dad. And, um, so when I was four, I started asking for a horse. And when I was 11, I got my first horse and my dad said, I give you six weeks. You're going to get tired of feeding him twice a day. And by the time I was a senior in high school, we were going to 75 rodeos a year. 75 rodeos a year. Yeah. Johnny. Wow. Do we, you feel we were, the we Benjamins in your pocket like, catching on fire? Yeah. We were gone like literally Thursday through Sunday for probably 40 weekends of the year. Almost. It was ridiculous. I mean, if I wasn't at a rodeo, I was at a barrel race and I'm, I'm including the barrel races in that, that number. Um, 
And it got, it got to the point where we were like, okay, we're going to have to get Jenna, you know, a better horse. Cause I had basically, they came and bought me, they bought me a horse when I was 11 off the dude string. It's a local dude ranch, right? This mm-hmm. super gentle horse. Didn't know anything. They told me I could go to like, you know, you can go to like one horse show a month. Well, then that turned into two play days a month. And then that turned into the join the play day club and let's go do the thing. Um, and in the meantime, I was working down the road for, um, a professional Arabian horse trainer. I was cleaning all his stalls and he was giving me lessons and he used to play polo. And so I learned all kinds of, you know, fun things from him when I was, when I was younger. Um, and so then that, you know, that turned into this and then it it just kind of snowballed. In fact, when I was a sophomore in high school, I homeschooled myself. I, I like told my mom, I'm like, I need to get out of school. I need to not be wasting this much time in class and I want to be working so that I can pay my entry fees. And so I was able to get a job and worked and paid entry fees so that I could, you know, go do the things I wanted to do. And then I got a scholarship to rodeo, um, to college, but we ended up having to buy a, a good, a good rope horse for me. And I roped and tied goats in college. I didn't have a good barrel horse in college because I didn't have the money to buy one. <laughs> right. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, you know, I didn't have a family that was like, we all rodeo, so we're going to have the $85,000 horse trailer and the big pickup, and everybody's going to have a fancy horse to ride. That was not me. I've always had to make my own way. And it wasn't that my parents didn't support me, because my dad has driven me a ton of miles, right, mm-hmm. going down the road. Um, I kind of wish he'd still drive me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... There, so on a, on a non-COVID year, Jen, how many rodeos are you going to right now? Um, well, typically on a non-COVID year, I've already been to like 10 states. Wow. 10 states. And um, I've, I love to, I've been to, I went to Arizona this winter because I started a colt, the Art of the Cowgirl. Um, and it was what colt from our, our horse program at the ranch. So we drove from South Dakota all the way down to Arizona. So I went through Colorado, New Mexico, you know, all those places. Mm -hmm. Um, But typically by now I have been to barrel races and or rodeos in Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, um, Minnesota. um, And then by the end of the year, I've been through Wyoming. I go to a lot of places. It's super fun. I'm very, very blessed that I get to do that. Mm, That's awesome. So what do you do when you're not rodeoing? Like, what do you do for fun? Let's say in quotes, air quotes um, installed. Well, so I guess you could say I am an advocate. I don't really consider myself an advocate because my platform is really all about horses and positivity. Yeah. I am not a positive person by nature. Not what? even a little bit. I am I you're super, that. you're super positive to me and I, I can know. bring the worst out in people. I, I, Johnny's Johnny's like, what the hell did you just say? (laughs) By nature, I'm a kind of a glass is half empty kind of a girl. And I've had to work really, really hard. And and I, I will give all the credit to my other half for that because he doesn't ever see a problem. He only ever sees opportunity. And for me to see opportunity, sometimes it it takes a lot of work. That's really fascinating that you say that because you know, you've been, you're, you're so accomplished on, and so many things have come your way and you've seized the opportunities and just through our conversations with Chaffe and some of the other projects that, you know, you and I have been working on. Um, it just really, it, it always shocks me when I hear these things because everybody has that like inner voice in themselves that says, you know, maybe you're not good enough or 
you know, this isn't going to work. You can never do. You can never do it or whatever. So how do you, how do you combat that? Because it, it fascinates me that super successful people still have that. You know, I remember as a young person, I remember thinking, oh, that person probably never goes through that. And then you read an article about them and, and they fight those same battles inside themselves that we all do. So how do you overcome that? How do you embrace it? How do you push through and how do you make things happen for yourself? Oh, gosh. Why are you asking me such hard questions? Because um, the audience <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and that's a that's a great point. I mean, how how in the world do you muster the strength to yeah. go ahead and say, and especially if you're a, a glass half empty kind of person, that you're just going to power through that kind of emotion and say, yeah, I'm going to continue to break let, the mold. Yeah, and let me add to that because, you know, the audience doesn't know much about my background or anything like that, but I've been in horses my whole life and been successful at that on a, on a higher level. And horses, they challenge you every single day. I mean, some days you feel like you're on the top of the world and you're like, yes, I got this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm, I'm going to be a world champion. And the next day, you know, they spit the bit and they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> and, 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 and it's like two steps forward and one step back a lot of times, is, you know, when you're training horses. And so how do you roll with the punches with that? Because I think there's so many people that could benefit from hearing you know, some ideas on, on how you, you know, basically get your head in the game to make, you know, 70 rodeos happen a year. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Um, cause I'm told all the time that if I would just extend the same grace to everyone in my life that I extend to my really naughty border collie and my big yellow horse that my life would be that much better. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, Copper's a really naughty dog. He doesn't mean to be. He just is. And, and he's endearing that way, and we have to love him. Um, but I think it's, for me anyway, it's that I just have this drive to continue to improve myself. And and it's not, I'm not the very best communicator with people that I love and with people in my life. Oftentimes, I I just kind of freeze up because I don't know what to say. But when it comes to communicating with the horses, it's just there's something different in but, me. And I have this, it's, it's, I don't know what, to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it, but I learned something with every horse. And I was thinking about this this morning, actually. But you say you're not, you're, you say you're not a phenomenal communicator, but you have 26,000 people that follow you on Instagram. So you're communicating something that they like. Right. Yeah, I am. That's true. And, and I try to, I really try to make a really good, I try to make a point to be vulnerable and point out, you know, okay, look, I went this, I did this this weekend and it didn't work. Or I did this this weekend and it did work. Or I tried this and it was a colossal failure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Heard that, been there, got the t-shirt, used it at the car wash. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the reason that I have the following that I have is because I, I attempt be vulnerable and I you know I don't think you can air it's not Instagram and social media is not an appropriate place to air your dirty laundry necessarily but you can air your struggles right Mm -hmm. depends on how thick a skin you have because a lot of people use that as as a way to come at you Mm -hmm. you know if you're if you're willing to be vulnerable and if you're willing to (laughs) excuse me to let people pick on you then yeah maybe yeah and it's not that I'm not willing to let people pick on me but 
that, you know, I think there are just some things that are better left unsaid out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like people picking on me. <laughs> I, I kind of invite it. I don't, <laughs> I don't love people picking on me. I don't love confrontation. I don't love it when I know someone doesn't like me. That is like, yeah. oh my gosh, how could they not like me? Because I just, you know, I want to be likable and I want to be a kind person and I want to be someone that encourages people. And I feel like, um, I feel like there's so much negativity in the world itself. Like I can be hard on myself without needing to like spread that to everyone else. So tell me so this, I, not to cut you off, but to cut you off, I want, I, I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper into that. So you're a person that does not like confrontation about yourself, right? No, I hate it. So you've got 26,000 people that follow you. And Mm -hmm. if you've got that many people, you can probably go out there on a limb and say a good portion of those people really love what you do. But there's probably 5% that follow you because they don't like you. Yeah. How do you handle how? how, Oh, yeah. At least 5%. I guarantee you I've got 15% of people that follow me just because they want to see, you know, what I'm into because they like the drama of it. Wow. Fascinating. And so, and so if you, if you have that moving in, in your direction, you've got the, the, the power of positivity rolling on your social media, you don't like people picking on you. Why would you open yourself up to be vulnerable to an attack on social media? That's a great question. Yeah. I did yoga this morning. I feel like I've channeled my energy. I mean, Z. (laughs) Isn't it chi? Um, I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, is it chi? I think it's G. Yeah. I just went with G. So that's if you'll channel you, if you'll wake up in the morning and channel your inner gangster, then you do. do, Go ahead, Jen. Energy. Energy. See, it's like energy, but maybe it's your inner gangster. Well, so here's the thing. I think that what you put on social media and what you. Okay. Let me, let me back up. I have been told by members of my family that what I put on social media and how I am in real life are two different things. Ooh. That's rough, right? Yeah, that's pretty pretty tough. I mean, that's really rough. And I think for a long time, what was happening was... That can't be true because you love horses. Well, I know. But as far as like the sayings and the positivity and the things, right? That um, in the theories and the... And the, um, you know, you should try to do all the good you can in the world, whatever. And you should never get upset with people and you should never. And it's, those things are all true. And they're all things that I believe. But, but being able to follow through on them and believing them might be two different things, but it doesn't make one less real than the other. Does that make sense? Mm. One more time. Yeah. So I can believe that you should always reward the try in, a, in an individual, right? Um, but that home. doesn't always mean that I can follow through on rewarding the try in that individual. <sighs> because that's yeah. a practice that we have to put in the work, right? We have to say, okay, this person came and cleaned my house. I'm just using this as an example. They came and cleaned my house, but my entire kitchen's rearranged and, and I'm upset about that. But they tried, right? Mm-hmm. So should we really be upset about the fact that the kitchen's rearranged or should we be rewarding the try? Mm, I, I might be upset. I, I could care less as long as I can find a pop tart and coffee. I'm happy. Well, right. Did so, I take that wrong? No, no, you didn't. 
but that's where the see Johnny's a little bit like me. I would be like, well, how are you helping me if you rearrange my kitchen and I can't find anything now, right? They think they're doing me a favor because they cleaned my kitchen, mm-hmm. right? So if we're if we're going to talk about rewarding the try, but we're not going to practice that in real life, then there's a discrepancy. Doesn't mean that I don't agree that we shouldn't reward the try. It just means that I'm not to a place in my life where I can follow through on what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting that you say you're bringing up this topic about rewarding the try because you know I I uh, that's what my whole training program with my horses is is based off right. of on the horses that I do right. So you know every I I'm always training them to the try, and that's how I've been able to accomplish some of the things that I've been able to do with half the time being non pro right. is because I always ride them to that try. But it's you interesting teach them to look for the right answer. Yes. and when they get it. And, it, and here's the thing, your horses I'm pro- and my horse, they're probably similar, right? Right. I can get they on have four legs. I could probably get on, <laughs> I could get on your horse and he's going to figure out what I'm asking yep. for because he's learned to try. Yep. So if my release is different than your release, he's going to figure that out. Right. See, but this is something that I don't know if I fully understand. And the fact that if you're rewarding the try, let's tie this back to society a little bit. And the fact that okay. we have tried to reward the try in children for the last 27, 28 mm-hmm. years. And all we've done is create a generation and, and I'm picking on my own generation. I mean, the last 36 years um, of people that are rewarded because they were willing to step outside of the box. And yeah, you probably should be an artist, but you did good at baseball. So you get a freaking trophy. Mm-hmm. And it's in. And so in my line of thought, I sit here and say, I really don't care if you if you tried, um, my mentality says, yes, thank you for trying. But at the same time, if you screwed up, then damn it, don't do that again. Like, don't touch my but cupboards. Do you want to work for someone that's going to reward your try or that's always going to point out when you screwed up? No, that's exactly right. But that, that's a such a, exactly. That is yeah. such a hard balance because in yeah. like, in like with us, I mean, with, with over, I mean, total over 120 some odd employees, if I was to sit there and be literal about everything that I said and somebody didn't think outside of the box, then we would be nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm kind of pointing myself back or pointing, you know, pushing myself back into the corner. But at the same time, rewarding the try has got to have some kind of limitation to it. And the fact that if you just say, good job, boy," then they're going to be like, well, I tried to cut this field of hay today, but. Right. I just didn't feel it. Right. Or your horse is going to be like, I tried to turn that first barrel hard, but you know, just give me another so, Scooby at, snack. At some point then you have to not become the colt that's trying and you have to become the horseman that takes a different approach. Right. Because I'll, I'll reward them to the try for so long, so long, so long. And then if they chump me, it's on, you know, what do you mean by it's on? I mean, like, we're going to, we're going to have some correction. It's going to be, right. And you then, know, then it becomes strong. a matter of maybe I need to change my approach. Yeah. Right? Well, because uh, what I've tried before you've tried and that's been good. Yeah. And you've learned that you should try, but, but now we have to get maybe a little more serious. And now, now I need to be able to hold you in this position for five strides and you can't fit, fit at the fifth one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So then, then you have to change your approach and say, okay, is my, is what I'm doing, is it working? 
that's you, you have to ask that question mm-hmm. is it working and then you have to say okay if it's not working what what needs to change and and that's kind of where i'm at in some in some relationships that you know that i have going on in my life right now is okay i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying and they're not recognized i don't i don't feel like they're recognizing the try right mm-hmm. so maybe i need to change my approach Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can see that to, to some degree. I just I think in my life, no right, one likes a micromanager, not even the horse. No, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. You know, and what I do with riding pleasure horses, I mean, we we manage every step. You know, right, and you start controlling every step, but by the same token, you have to teach them to go where you want them through pressure right. and release, right? And I think people they are have the to same take way. Some responsibility. Yeah. 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 They got to stand up there and do it on their own. You're always training them for that release. Right. So they can stand up there Mm -hmm. and do it on their own. So, but I think people are the same way. You know, I think, um, you reward the try, reward the try, reward the try. And then sometimes it's like, damn it, this is how you got to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. or this is what I'm asking for. And when I call on you, I need you to be able to respond to that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, horse training is the same way. There's so many similarities between training horses and people sure. and, and just in general handling horses and life and horses in life and mm-hmm. dogs in life that it's um it it can be a little almost creepy <laughs> yeah yeah I it's think. so but, true but going back to what i was saying was you know was keeping the positivity in my horses and my and and you know i have had a goal since i was a little girl to make the nfr that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. And I don't come from a rodeo family. I don't, I mean, and I'm not in a rodeo family now. No one at the ranch rodeo. That's so what, what's the likelihood of that dream coming in, coming true? Well, it, it's going to depend on some factors. I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to get um, some of these horses that I've got going now. I'm going to have to start riding them. Like I believe in what we're doing. And Johnny's probably experienced this when you train them for so long, you train and train and train and train and train. Sometimes it's hard to turn off the trainer and just trust all the work that you've done. Right. For sure. (laughs) To just say, you know what? I can get on you and I can feel my way through this and we can make this happen. And I'm just now getting to that place with my big yellow horse and people on Instagram love AV. I'm not going to lie. He's super popular. Yeah. Everybody loves AV. Um, but AV 17, he's got a trifecta of front end issues that keep him, you know, that, that require a lot of maintenance. Um, and then I have Cosmo that I'm bringing up. She's six. And then I have Ismo who's five and Luna who's five. So for me to make the NFR, I'm going to have to have a combination of the four of them. We're going to have to get all of our collective poops in a group and I'm going to have to become a lot more confident than I am. And I was just thinking about this today about how different I am as a, as a writer now than I was a year ago. And, um, I think a lot of that actually has to do with a couple of my current horses. And, and a year ago, there's things that I wouldn't have even considered doing on my horses that I'm doing now. And, um, I so had a mom- I've had some moments where I've lost my mojo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's the horse world. I think that's life. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I see that on social media and you can see it. I mean, right now I've got a couple of crazy circumstances that I'm, I'm living through, but at the same time, even, even when you're trying to grow a farm or you're trying to grow a business, mm-hmm. uh, your job, your, your 
love life, your family, whatever it's going to be, we all hit those stumps. And it seems like the super successful people that you surround yourself with or you try to surround yourself with, it's always like, well, gosh, how in the world did they get the gumption or how did they get the power to go ahead and just blast through that lack of mojo and make it? And so you already saying, yeah, there's times that I lose my mojo. You know, how are you? How are you coming back around and saying that was just a, that was just a bad day? Well, so I haven't really had a bad day in a long, long time. I mean, even today with all the crazy things that have happened, I'm smiling and laughing and having, you know, I'm having a good time. I'm super blessed to get to do what I do. But I mean, mojo, like from a horse standpoint. So when I got that big yellow horse, um, the first run I made on him, he fell down on top of me. The third run I made on him, he fell down or I fell off of him. I stopped one way and he, and he went the other and I went over the top of him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, um, we were just, we were not communicating, you know, and Zach's like, babe, I love you, but I'm, I'm not going to take care of you. If this horse crippled you, you, you guys have got to like start it over. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's the first horse that I've ever gotten that was already running barrels. Right. Mm-hmm. So everything else I've, that I've ever had, I've, I've made on my own. So I basically took him back and started him, restarted him like I would start a colt. Spent three weeks in the round pen and, and there wasn't a lot of speed control where, you know, when I got him, it was a cowboy walk, like he's going or he's running off with you. And mm-hmm. every, you had to like, it was a tug of war with him. And so I spent about a year and a half, um, kind of handling him and, and getting him to kind of be with me. And, the first time I crack him back out, we have a crash again. He falls down going around the first barrel. I spray my MCL. I hobble around all summer. Anyway, um, so it's taken me a very long time to get any confidence in in his ability to handle the ground. But the more broke I've gotten him and the more balanced I've gotten him, the better I feel about it. And now it's just a matter of bringing back the the um you know let's go as fast as we can at any moment that bringing back that girl inside me that says you know what my horse has this I'll be all right because I've had to take a lot of years to like overcome the fact that I thought he was going to fall and we're going to have a massive wreck Mm -hmm. and I've had a couple wrecks on other colts in between him and now right Mm -hmm. well some other colts that have run off with me and some other colts that have given me given me grief and um, I'm not going to lie. I take medication for anxiety and it makes my life so much better. <laughs> That's why we're not neighbors. I would drive you to drink it, woman. <laughs> yeah. Medication's great. I love it. Um, it, it definitely has helped kind of calm that inner voice that says you can't do this. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. Um, and a lot of that stems from my first marriage. I married a man that was abusive to me. He raped and beat me. Um, I say that very casually. It's at the time it wasn't, I'm, you know, a decade removed from it now almost. Um, you're, and, you're a decade removed from an abusive relationship and you're, you're still having, of course, so, so you're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with, with going back with what's happened in your life. And at the same time, you've set yourself a goal that you're going to be riding in the finest world's top end rodeo in the world. And so yeah, I would like to have that happen in five years if I can, but it's going it. to require a lot of work. It requires a lot of money. It requires a lot of, um, 
a lot of dedication and I'm, I'm just getting to a place this year where I feel like, you know what? I, I know I can get on and I can ride all these colts. And for a long time, I didn't want to get on any colts. I was too scared to do it. I was happy to have someone else do it or to talk someone else through it or, or to even say that I ride colts when I would ride them for five minutes and be like, okay, that was good. I survived. I didn't die. Right. But did mm-hmm. you die? <laughs> um, and, and now I'm to a place where I'm laughing through my big race bread mare that I bought last year, you know, for about the three weeks there in um, April and May, I didn't know when I got on her, if she's going to try to run off with their buck or buck, one of the two. And she has given me so much confidence. I'm like, you know what? I'm riding her. I'm not, she's not getting rid of me. I'm talking her out of it. I can talk all these other colts out of it too. Why am I being so ridiculous? Mm. So I, I have a really deep question for you. Um, oh gosh, I'm scared <laughs> when you're asking a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a father to a daughter and, and, and I'm a conscious father to a daughter, um, I, I take, you know, being a father very, very seriously. And, um, you know, my, I always want to raise, you know, a daughter who is strong and independent and, but mm-hmm. you know, is you know, married and that whole thing, you know? And so I'm trying to do my best to be the best father that I possibly can, um, Mm -hmm. to this, to my daughter. And, you Mm -hmm. know, horses are a big part of our life too. And it's a big part of our relationship. So I ask you this only kind of for advice. So, you know, it's, you spent a lot of time with your dad taking you to rodeos and all of these kind of things. And so how does it happen that a girl who has, you know, all of this going for her doing 70 rodeos a year, you have your parents who are actively involved in your life, you know, fall for somebody who is abusive and, and, and that kind of thing. And then there, I have a follow-up, but if you'll answer that. So when <laughs> that's a, that's a really great question, actually. Um, there were a bunch of red flags, I think, you know, when we were dating and there mm-hmm. were some red flags that my parents definitely saw. Um, but I think when you are, and you guys know this because you're married, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in love, there is just no stopping it, right? Mm-hmm. Not at all. And when you are about to marry a sociopath that's, a nar- that's been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, mm-hmm. they don't, you don't know who they really are until they've got you hooked. Now, I can, kept, I, I can point one out to someone else from a mile away now. Because I know, I know, and I get the little, you know, you get the little hackles on the back of your neck, and you're like, oh my goodness, yikes! <laughs> you know, this person gives me a really bad feeling. Um, <laughs> but, but I also think, and this isn't meant as a slight to my parents at all. Sure, sure. But you know, I grew up in Texas, and that's part of the Bible belt and you don't get divorced. You don't do these things. You get married and that's what happens. Right. Right. And so I never felt comfortable telling my parents what was going on. And in fact, I think my parents actually found out how bad it was when I was on the let freedom rain podcast last year. And they've never said anything to me about, about what happened, what transpired in that first marriage. But Talk about a great podcast too. Sorry, not to, not to stop where we're at, but I mean, if you guys are looking for another podcast yeah. and especially in the equine world, go check out that freedom rain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. But you know, I contemplated killing myself multiple times during that marriage. And the only thing that kept me from doing it was 
knowing that nobody was going to feed my horses if I was gone. That's a, he sure shit wasn't going to do it. That's a, that's a powerful statement. And, and to, to, to move forward with where you're at now. So it sounds like you're on the road to one of the greatest success stories ever. And no, I you think you are so nice. I don't think about, I don't think about it that way. But yeah, but, to- but I do. And, and here's the fact, if you never make the national finals rodeo, the fact that you've got yourself out of a situation, the fact yeah. that you've put yourself where you're at right now, and the fact that you're continuing to work day in and day out, even if people don't think that you're painting the picture that you truly are every single day, you already are a success story. And so many people out there, men and women both need to be able to look back and say, you know what, there was this one day or there was this one time or there was this one person that I never thought that I was ever going to be able to get over that hump. And look at Jen. Mm-hmm. Look at what Jen was able to do. She was in an abusive relationship. She had something that she was grasping onto, which was a horse. Unbelievable. If 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 you're like me and love tattoos and I'd have horse tattoos all over me. But <laughs> at this, at the same time, if you, if you cannot look at that, Jen, that is something that is huge and impactful. Your, your ability to change people's lives by just sharing the story that you're just now saying mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the thing that, that, and I think that's why me and you were drawn to each other on social media is just because of the fact that I you you can tell with people, right? Even, even if mm-hmm. it's through looking at a post on social media, you can actually tell what a person's like, mm-hmm. you know, and you just exude this. Like, I don't think I could keep up with Jen. Like, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I see on social media. And I, that's what gravitates me towards you is because you, you, you have that kind of personality. And so, so with that being said, as you're preparing yourself, you're preparing your horses, you're trying to get to the level where you're moving forward. Yes, we hope that we can help get you to the NFR. At the same time, what's your call and purpose in life now? Is it just the NFR? Is there more to it? No. Um, so I just started um, I just started a new Instagram page like late last year and I started a new website called out it's called rightoutsidetheturn.com. It's the actual website. But the um the uh, Instagram handle is outside the turn and ultimately yeah, we're I think my, my major goal, like my, my, um, like the overreaching goal, let's say. And I feel like going to the NFR is one of the ways to like make, be the most impactful in this goal. But my overreaching goal is to change the face of the barrel racing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, because the barrel racing industry, you know, they take a lot of horses from the racetrack and, they're hot and they're this and they're, you know, barrel racers as a general rule. And I have been one for a lot of years. I, I now call myself a reformed barrel racer, not to offend any barrel racers, but, um, they generally are making excuses for their horse's behavior. You'll hear, Oh, well that son of a bitch didn't even see the first barrel. Well, are you riding him or not woman? It's your job <laughs> to help him. Right. It's, it's not his job to just go in there and do the, I don't want to make a robot horse. I want to make a horse that stays between my reins and my legs and is honest and goes where I say, when I say at the speed I say and no faster and no slower. That's my goal. And I want not only have him do that, but I want to be able to rope on him and go take him, you know, through the cows or whatever I need to do on him. And so, um, barrel racers are notorious for making excuses for their horses. Oh, he talks to store, he stifles the store. Oh, he's, you know, whatever. He has this and this is just how it's going to be. 
And it's really no different than people making excuses. I can't do that. Or this is just always the way he's been, right? Or this is just always the way I've been. Well, are you in control of yourself? Or are you not? So I think my overreaching goal in life is to really try to get people to look a little bit harder inside themselves and a little bit harder at how they are actually tackling quote unquote horsemanship because here's the deal. My definition of horsemanship is that we're more concerned with the welfare of the horse than we are winning. Uh And because the horse doesn't care about winning, the horse doesn't Uh care about the clock. All he cares about is whether or not you make him feel good and whether or not you give him peace and you reward him with peace when he, when he finds what it is you're looking for. And if you can't reward him with peace, when he finds what you're looking for, why would he want to do anything for you? Yeah, exactly. Why would anyone want to do anything for you? And so I think my overreaching goal is really to try to, to try to help people feel as good about themselves as, as I have, as I have learned to feel, and I wouldn't have learned any of these things. And I would still be bothered and be upset about stupid stuff. And I still get bothered and upset about stupid stuff, but, but, um, Zach has really been good about ignoring bad behavior in me, if you will. And I, I don't mean to say that I'm, I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. Not bad behavior per se, but you know, like just emotional blow ups that don't need to happen. And he's like, really? Come on. You know, let's, let's like take a step back, <laughs> you know? And if you can, can learn, to, if you can learn to control yourself in that environment, controlling yourself when you're on your horse is that much easier. So it's, it's not just about the horses. It's just about helping people feel happier and more confident about who they are and what they're doing and what they want to accomplish. Um, and winning isn't always it. It's just one way to get there. I just love winning so much. So damn it. <laughs> uh, I think, I think one thing too, and, and, and we're starting to get to a spot where we need to wrap up though. So, so Jen, if, if you could go back and, and take yourself out of the uh, abusive situation, which you can never do, I know. But at the same time, if you were going to be looking at a 21 year old Jen and you could go back and say, Jen, you need to do this to be able to do that. What would you, what would your biggest advice to yourself be? Oh gosh. <laughs> so when I'm deep, like a kiddie pool. I know. So <laughs> when I graduated college, like when I was in college, I was actually working for a rain cow horse trainer and um, he offered me a job when I graduated college. And I would, you know, I was already working for him. We had a horse and train. My ex-husband and I had a horse training with him and, I was working off the training bill by cleaning stalls and grooming and, you know, doing all the things. Um, he said, you know, when you get out of school, if you want a job, I'll pay you this much a month and I'll make sure you have this many outside horses to ride a month and, you know, you can make a living doing this. And um, I thought that was cool, right? But my mom was like, well, you just went to college at six, six years to get through it and you probably just really need to get a real job. I think that the 21-year-old me I, I think I, I wish I would have had more confidence to say, you know what, mom, I have goals and this is how I want to accomplish them. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate your input and I appreciate your feedback, but this is, I got to go mom. Life. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's my life. And, and, and I was, I mean, it's taken me, it took me till I was 30 something years old to be like, okay, mom, 
take a chill pill. You know, no offense, mom. I love you. But I get that. But, um, and it's, you know, she never meant it in a bad way. I don't sure. want anyone to think that because your parents only want what's best for you, right? For sure. And so she thought that me getting a, a quote unquote real job after college was, was the thing that I should do. And I don't regret the business savvy that I got from having a real job, quote unquote real job. But um, I, I often think about how different my life would be had I had the moxie to say, mm, I think I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to ride Colt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one thing too, that our parents, it sounds like there's some similarities there too. My dad was hell bent that I was going to go to college and that I was going to go work for the same company that he worked for. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I kind of balked the system pretty dang hard and right. not that it's made me a better person from balking the system because I look at the financial security that I probably would have had if I would have done that. But at the same time, understanding that sometimes having to balk the system a little bit um, puts you in a spot that you need to be at. And, and you now, to me, at least, you know, on the outside looking in, it looks like you're in a spot that you want to be in. I'm in a pretty dang good spot. I am very, very lucky. I mean, we live in our riding barn. In the winter, I just get to catch whatever I want to ride for the day. And I make one trip outside if I want to catch them all. And I can ride them all and walk inside my house anytime I want to get warm. Um, you know, there are so many good pe- I'm surrounded by so many good people at home. Um, I don't have to do any of the quote-unquote farming that we do. I don't have to make any of the hay. My horses, oftentimes in the winter, they're just all magically fed. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I am very very fortunate that i am in this place and so there's also a part of me that's like you know what if i hadn't gone through what i went through i wouldn't be where i am now Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of good that's come from that right i mean heard this quote today pressure makes diamonds yeah we right and and i've learned a ton about people and a ton about myself and um i've been maybe ripe to shape in into who I am and and I wouldn't know the things about horses that I know now had I stayed with Mark and ridden with him. Yeah. Right. Um because the more people you ride with, the more things you learn, the more tools you get in your toolbox or the weapons in your arsenal, however you want to, you know, I like the second one. No, the weapons in your arsenal I figured you would. The more weapons in your arsenal and the more things that you can say, okay, I like that but I don't like this. Okay, I'm gonna do it this way. Or, you know what, I don't like any of that, but I like that I'm going to figure out how to do it on my own. Yeah, I had, to, I had to do that same exact thing. I had to kind of try to make my own mistakes and fight my way out of it. And zero regrets. Zero regrets. And I have, I mean, I have no, no regrets. I, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm super lucky. And, and I, but here's the thing. I have to remind myself of that. I don't just, I mean, I have to go through sometimes and be like, okay, here's the positives in my life today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we all do though, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you I, know, I, I'll, I'll I do give that. you a great example. I got, I was in Kansas for three weeks and, and I came home. Um, I don't even remember. Oh, on the, I got home on like the 13th of June or 14th of June. And um, they were redoing the fence in the trap where I keep my, my going horses, like my, my good girl horses. And, um, I was cranky about that. 
I'm like, you guys have, I've been gone for three weeks and you guys are just now doing this. And I'm, I've been on the road. I stopped at Walmart. I've got groceries. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I'm cranky, babe, but I, I wanted to get home and unload my horses and unload these groceries and like sit on the couch. Right. And now I've got to wait for you to like make a place for me to put my horses. When the good positive person would have been like, man, this is so great. They've made a bigger trap for my horses. You know, that is, that's the balance that I'm working on. Like trying to find the, okay, yeah, I'm home and yeah, I'm tired and my horses are tired and they're thirsty and they're ready to get, you know, back out on green grass. But this is a better deal than what I had, than what I would have come home to had they not been doing this. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where I'm, that's probably where my biggest struggle is, is, is finding the positive right then. Cause it's, like I said, it takes me three, four or five days. And then I'm like, okay, great. Let's do this. Yeah. So I'm really working very hard at, at finding the positive and looking for the opportunity like right then. So with that Not being there yet. With, with all that, and we're wrapping up now, I just, uh, I want to say that I appreciate knowing more about you and the fact that you've been through what you've been through and the fact that you still have that drive and determination. And that, that, that makes who the South Dakota, <laughs> as I can sit here and talk the South Dakota cowgirl is, and that's who Jen Zeller is. And that's the direction that you want to go. I've got a question for you though, Jen. Oh gosh. Okay. What's your biggest fear in life? Not accomplishing my goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Whatever they may be. I mean, and I don't just mean going to the NFR just in general, you know, so if, I, if you go ahead, just, in, you know, in general, I, I am like a, I have, I struggle with perfectionism and Johnny knows this. You don't get to be perfect when it comes to horses. You get to strive for perfection. Mm-hmm. But striving for perfection and being perfect are two different things. Yeah, definitely. There's um, no perfect. You know, just be excellent. No just be, I've learned that. Just be excellent. Don't you be just, perfect. Just try to be a little better today than you were yesterday. Yeah. You know, for perfect me, have a little exist. more moxie when I'm climbing on that Excuse pole for the first me? time. Have a little more moxie when I'm running that big yellow sucker to the first barrel and I'm worried that I might fall off. <laughs> yeah. Jen Zeller, if somebody's going through or has been through um, an abusive situation like you, what what can they do to get out of the situation? Well, first of all, they're very welcome to reach out to me. I am my phone is on twenty four seven for any woman that is ever in that situation. I don't need to know you. You can send me a direct message on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, and I will find you. Um, but I think the, I think the biggest thing for that particular situation is that there tends to be a lack of support, not just family support, but social support as well. Um, and, and so I, you know, I do have some resources and I have some people that help women get out of those situations, but you have to just know you're not alone. You have to know it's going to be okay. And you have to know that you are worth way more than he's ever going to give you. And you, you as a person, never ever ever should be treated that way because you are loved by more people than you ever ever realize yeah so i want to leave a quote that you told me that i actually have on my desk today i quoted you this no jen did the other oh oh, one of the first times that we met and i collect quotes um, oh gosh from people yeah and it was it was good and i keep it on my desk to this day um, because i agreed with it so much you said write them write them like you want them to be not as they are and i think that's so yep. true 
Jen, I can't yep. tell you how much we appreciate you taking an hour of your day. I know it's, it's hot and steamy over there. It's hot and steamy over here. Um, but <laughs> this is, uh, this is definitely not goodbye. This is us. Uh, See you soon. Re- retooling ourselves together to make sure that we help you as any way that we can to achieve your goals. And at the same time, I want to thank you for the friendship, the support, um, and, and the support that you probably are going to give to somebody through this podcast today. So that's, that's saying a whole heck of a lot. We, we appreciate you more than you know, and, uh, and we can't wait to meet you in person. Yeah. I can't wait to get down there. And I'm very grateful that, that I I'm part of the Chaffee family. We have, uh, you know, we're kind of like the, the tornado in the trailer park. You're going to fit right in with us. I mean, we're, you just never know which way we're going. We're just going to throw a table here and there and we're going to have a party. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I like it. Awesome. 10 for, well, that was our uh, afternoon wrapping up with Jen Zeller, the South Dakota cowgirl and an unbelievable story. And we're just proud to have her on as a part of, uh, the chaff a team and we're proud to have her on as a friend if you guys have any more questions or if you ever find yourself in that situation please 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 make sure that you reach out to somebody if you need to reach out to jen um the sd cowgirl on instagram and and she can steer you in the right direction uh john anything to wrap up with no that was fantastic absolutely yeah, so from all of us awesome. from out here in the middle god bless and have a good rest of your day